0: Thank you guys. You all can be seated now. Whew. How's everybody doing? I'm good? All right. You guys cool with being with me today? No? <laughs> Too bad. <All> right. <laughs> Um, So yeah, a lot of new stuff, a lot of new faces up here. Um, For those of you that do not know, our good friends Matt and Sarah, that are usually here, got married yesterday. (laughs) Woo! That's right, so uh, obviously Matt is not here because they're busy. Um, So with that, um, yeah, you guys got me today. So, um, We are going to be in the book of Luke, Um, so if you guys want to go ahead, uh, take one of the Bibles that are by your seat, or if, you know, you're... the nice good Christian who has things under control and you brought your Bible, you can go ahead and take that out. Uh, We are in chapter 16, start a new chapter, okay. Um, And with um, Easter being last week, and so now I know that we probably have some new faces and some new people here, uh, I think it's important for us to kind of reiterate and uh, to go back and remind everyone uh, why we are in Luke. Um, Maybe you've heard us talk about last week or you've heard other people around us say that we've been in the same book for like a year and a half. That is true. Um, So I think we started last summer. Last summer I remember I was preaching around the same time in that room and I think I started chapter 10. So we've done about six chapters this year. Um, And the reason we do that is because uh, at the branch uh, we are really big on equipping. Um, We believe in Ephesians 4.13 that it's our job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's our job to help you guys to know Jesus, to believe Jesus, and to obey Jesus. And one of the best ways that we can do that in the context of a, um, of a Sunday gathering um, is through scripture and is to just go through it, you know, like verse by verse, line by line to help you guys really understand uh, what it is that God is saying to us through this. So um, maybe if you guys have been here for a while, you might remember we went through Galatians. We spent about a year in Galatians and then uh, we kind of prayed through, where is God taking us now? And that led us to the book of Luke. Um, So we've been in it for about a year and a half and we'll continue to be in it for about another year and a half. I think if all things go well, uh, as of right now, we're set to be finished, I think it's the week after Easter of 2019, something like that. So, um, but honestly, it's just, you know, however it works out. So, uh, that being said, there's a lot to go over. Um, This is a doozy of a passage. Thank you, Gabe, for letting me preach this one. Um, We'll go ahead and get at it. So, Luke chapter 16, we're going verses 1 through 13, okay? He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him, and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking um, this management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. And so, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, 100 measures of oil. And so he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. And then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And so he said to him, take your bill and write down 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either you hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money." All right, so this is what we're looking at, and um, we're gonna pray in just a second, but um, reading this verse when when I first had it, and maybe you guys kinda got the same feeling, it seems like Jesus is saying two very conflicting things at the same time. It almost seems like he is commending greed at that point, right, and he actually commands us to use unrighteous wealth, right? Uh, He is commending the servant there for that, and so there's a lot going on in this verse, and that I think a lot of people overlook, and so I really want to take time to kind of dive in this verse, uh, and really see what it is that God has for us, so we're going to pray really quick, uh, and then we'll go right into this. Dear God, thank you for you. Um, Thank you, God, for sending your son. Thank you that Jesus walked this earth. Thank you for the words that he said, that he taught us, Lord, and through this word that, um, we can begin to learn what you have for us um, on this uh, path of discipleship that you have us on, God. I pray that we would receive you. We know that t- where two or more are gathered, that your spirit is there, so we know, Lord, that you are here amongst us. And I pray, God, that, um, that we would be open to that. We would have the ears to hear, we would have the eyes to see, God, that we would not leave here the same as when we came in. Um, show us what you would have for us today. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so... Getting right into it. So like I said, there's a whole lot going on in this parable. It almost sounds as if Jesus is commending greed, right? So just to kind of overlook and let's recap what it is that was just said. Jesus is giving this parable and he says that there is this master and he comes to his, uh, to his manager, he comes to his steward, and he says, hey man, what's this I hear about you? Uh, It sounds to me like you have been foolish with the things that I have given you. I am hearing uh, that you have not done what I have asked, that you have uh, been foolish with this job. And so he asks him to give an account of what he's done, give an account of his job. And the manager says, oh crap, right? Uh, Because he knows that he's done wrong. He knows that he's been foolish. He knows that he, he he is guilty in this. And so he says to himself, how am I gonna save my own skin, okay? And he decides what he's gonna do. He is going to steal. So he steals from his master, he takes what is not his, he goes to people, says, how much do you owe my master? Okay, cut that in half, right? In the hopes that when he loses his job that these people will remember the kindness that he's shown them, like, hey, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, and that they would accept him. And then, when the master finds out, okay, the guy that he was already going to fire, when he finds out, that he has stolen from him in order to save his own skin and to be with these other people that owe him money, he actually commends him. He says, good job, all right? So you've been foolish with what I've given you beforehand. You weren't doing your job. and Now you've stolen everything from me and now I'm saying that you have done a good job. Gee, thank you, now you finally get it, right? And then gives this kind of weird part at the end where he says that actually like make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. And then he backpedals a little bit and says like, but remember that you also can't serve God in money. So it almost seems like Jesus is doing some really weird stuff here, you know, like talking about this kind of Robin Hood idea of robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, maybe? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but we know, hopefully, we, we know enough about Jesus to realize that that's not what he's saying, okay? We get that he's not telling us to steal. He's not still telling us to actually use unrighteous wealth. Uh, but if that's the case, then what is he trying to tell us, Okay. Uh, And so I think that in order to really understand this verse, in order to really get what it is that Jesus is trying to tell us, we have to do a couple different things. The first thing we have to do is we have to understand where where we've been. Okay? So, everyone take a deep breath. Let it out slow. Okay? And let's go back a couple chapters. So, if you've been kind of following along, if you've been with us, then you know that uh, around this time, the chapters where we're at, that Jesus has, is on his way to Jerusalem. So he's been taking his disciples and all of his followers and they've been heading towards Jerusalem, okay, where Jesus knows um, that where he is going to die. Um, and the past couple chapters, like the last chapter that we looked at, is he speaking to a very large crowd. Maybe you guys remember Gabe said it would be the equivalent if you took two um, football fields and put them together and then packed them out with people, all right? You guys remember that? And so then Jesus says before that, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus is essentially standing in front of Turner Field, God rest his soul, um, and he is speaking to the masses. And he begins to tell a series of parables, okay? And so um, this is actually the fourth parable in that secession. So you guys remember the first one was the parable of the lost sheep. You guys know that one? Remember it? Okay? Shepherd leaves the 99, he goes and finds the one. And then afterwards, it goes into the parable of the lost coin. You've got a woman, she's got ten coins, she loses one, she leaves the nine, and she goes after the one. And we realize, we've heard those throughout our lives, we already kind of know what those are about. Um, that Jesus is talking about God's heart for the lost, right? That he is constantly pursuing us, that God is constantly going after us, that he desires for us to come back home, right? He desires for us to come back into the fold, and then afterwards, uh, last week at Easter, uh, we talked about the third parable, which is the parable of uh, the prodigal son. And Jesus begins to kind of shift just a little bit. You know? So we're getting more and more personal, right? So we got the 99 for the, for the one, then we've got the nine for the one, and now we've got the one for the one. Um, and even with that parable, with the prodigal son, we see that the father is still going after the son, right? We see that he goes out to the gate, uh, he protects him from criticism, he protects him um, from the punishment that he knows that he deserves, says, here, put a robe on him, you know, give him a ring, let's kill the fattened calf, like he was once dead and now he's alive, he was lost, and now he's found, you guys remember that? But in this time, unlike the other parables, uh, where someone is going after what has been lost, we said in the prodigal son, that doesn't happen, right? No one went after the lost son. That's because Jesus is now, remember he's shifting things a bit, and is pointing out that that was actually the responsibility of the eldest son. Maybe you guys remember this from last week, okay? That it should have been the older son that went out and pursued the lost, right? And so Jesus is pointing at us as believers, pointing at us as the church, saying we should have the same heart for the lost that the father does. In the same way that God is constantly going after the lost, constantly going after those who have left him and desires for them to come back, that we as believers should be doing the same. We should be out in the field. We should be getting down and dirty with them, right? To love them and to bring them back home. So that's where we've been, okay? So maybe that makes even less sense to us, and that's okay, but that's the lens that we should be looking through this verse, okay, that we've got those three parables, parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, parable of the prodigal son, and now this one, which is often called uh, the parable of the shrewd manager. Jesus has been talking about pursuing the lost, okay? The next thing that we have to do is I believe we have to ask the right questions. And um, I'm gonna take a little bit of a caveat here. I'm gonna step aside and ask, by a show of hands, really quick, don't mean to call you out, raise your hand if you are a part of a missional community. Okay, if you are in a missional community, raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. Keep them up, keep them up. Of those people that are in a missional community, how many of you are in a DNA? Okay. All right, you can put your hands down, thank you. Um, If you were not in a DNA, okay, I would commend you, I would plead with you um, that if you wanna understand this book, okay, if you wanna understand what God is trying to say to us through this word, get involved um, because this is the best way to do it. The the reason I say that uh, is this, is that if you are in a DNA okay, Uh, and you've gone through that little packet that they give you, you've seen, that in that, there are four questions that it says you ask when you read scripture. Uh, Where are my youth guys at? If you're in my youth group, where are you at? Okay, cool, 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 all right, I see you guys. All right, lean over to your parents. If you know the answer, you're gonna help them out, all right? When we read scripture, we ask four questions. Those questions are, who is God? What has he done? Who are we? What do we do, okay? Who is God? What has he done? Who are we and what do we do? And so we're gonna go through this the same way that we would if you were in a DNA, right? We're gonna go through these four questions, look at this parable and the way that it applies to those and I think that you'll see this start to make sense, all right, you'll see the shift um, and, and see you know, kind of what this is actually saying. So first question, who is God? When we're looking at this parable, Parable to Shrewd Manager, Who is God supposed to be? Okay? And it's pretty easy, it's the master. All right, it's the one who owns everything. It's the one who, who has the job that he's been giving out to people. Everything belongs to the master, right? That one's pretty easy. So moving on then, this is the big one. This is the one we gotta break it down a little bit. What has he done? All right, so if God is the master in this story, what is it that the master has done? What is God doing in that? Well, he's done a couple things. The first thing that he's done is he is accusing, or he is approaching the steward, right? He's approaching the manager, he's looking at him, and he's saying, you have been foolish with what I have given you, right? God is coming to this man and is saying, I gave you a job to do, and you're not doing it. I have given you something graciously, and you are being foolish with it. You've done nothing with the gifts that I've given you. And then later on, the next thing that he does is that once he realizes that the steward has wasted his money, right, he's stolen from him, he looks at him and he says, now hold on a second, okay, and listen to this because I think this is important. He looks at him and he says, so I just want to get this straight for a second. So you, in your sin, knowing that you were wrong, knowing that you were being foolish, after I've come to you and and I've told you to give an account for what you've done, you went to debtors. You went to other people who owe things to me who have a debt that they also cannot repay, and in order to gain favor with them, you forgave their debts on my account. And then he commends him. Do you guys get that? I think that begins to help us to shape a little bit about what this verse is trying to say and how maybe it's telling us to pursue the lost, how it fits in with those other parables. That God looks at this man and he tells him, that you forgave others on my account. That is what you were supposed to do. That is what I desire. That is what I wanted. So next thing that we have to look at is then who are we, all right? And at this point now, we kind of split into two categories. We could be one of two people in the story, all right? We could be the steward or we could be the debtors. And at this point now, I think it starts to come together and we can see a little bit of, of what this is trying to say to us. So, uh, in this parable, what it's saying is uh, we have the debtors, and the debtors represent kind of all of humanity, right, specifically non-believers. But then in that, we also have the steward, and the steward represents the church. Uh, also, what's called the, the children of light in that. And so, who are we in that? Uh, many of us probably would recognize with the steward, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees at this point, and They're the people who have acted selfishly with the gifts of God. All right, we are people who, who have been given something by God and we've acted foolishly with that. All right, we have uh, not acted humbly, we have not gone out and done the job that God has called us to do. And then secondly, we have to realize with that that as the stewards that we will not be commended until we realize how kind of the economy of God works, Till we realize the job that we've actually been given. Because if you remember in that too, he says we're in danger of being fired, right? God has come to us and he has already said um, to give an account of our actions. And so the last thing that we look at with that is what should we do, okay? What should we do? And this is where we get to kind of that second half of the verse. And so if you look back there, uh, starting with, let me see, what verse is it? Um, starting with around verse nine. It says, and I tell you, "'Make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, "'so that when it fails, "'they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. "'One who is faithful and very little "'is also faithful in much, "'and one who is dishonest in very little "'is also dishonest in much. "'And if you have not been faithful "'in the unrighteous wealth, "'who will entrust you then to true riches?' And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, then who will give you that which is your own? For no servant can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and then despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, all right? So then what then should we do? Look at that. First, we have to realize that what is important. So take, for instance, take the manager in, in this verse, okay, and look at what it is that he's doing. He realizes that he is going to lose his job, and so the first thing he has to do is he begins to make relationships, Okay? He starts to realize in that, like, listen, this money's going to be gone, okay? I'm not going to have riches. When it all hits the fan, okay, and the storm passes over, I'm not going to have anything. But what is going to last are going to be these relationships that I make. So if I go to these debtors, if I forgive their debts on their account, then hopefully then they'll take care of me afterwards, all right? Um... And th- there's a quote by, by David Platt that I really like uh, in this instance. Um, and he says that, you know, a lot of times in life we say, like, don't look at, um, what's, don't look at right now what's important to you. Think about what will be important to you 20 years from now. And he said that he, he doesn't think that, that takes it far enough. I don't want you to look at what's important 20 years from now. Look at what's important 20 million years from now. Okay, 20 million years from now after, we are all dead and gone. The world has long since passed away. Your kids are dead. Their kids are dead. Your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren, they're all dead, right? Think about that. What's going to be important to you? <laughs> Happy service, right? Happy Sunday. What's going to be important to you then? Where are you going to wish that you put your money? Where are you going to wish that you put your time? Where are you going to wish that you invested yourself in? And think about that and that's what's gonna be important. And so what Jesus is telling us in this is, although the manager did act dishonestly, the intention that he had is actually one that we as children of light should all uh, aspire to. And that's recognizing that what was important, going after the debtors and gaining favor with them. So he's asking us in this still to, to lay a groundwork as far as realizing what it is that's important. The second part that we have to realize and what should we do is kind of understanding God's economy in this, understanding the job that we've been given, okay? So we realize that there are some financial components to this, that this whole thing is talking about money, right? And in it, yes, money means money, but there's also very much so kind of an under part of it. Um, And you think about a manager goes up, all right, and he's talking to these debtors, Do you think that he could've, in this moment, used his own money, right? Do you think that in this moment he could've come up and he could've said, all right, how much do you owe? 100 measures of wheat? I'm just gonna use my own wheat to pay off your debt. Could he have done that? Perhaps, but he didn't have it, right? He didn't have anything. It wasn't his debt to pay, he didn't have enough to it, so he had to use something that did not belong to him to pay off someone's debt that didn't deserve it, right? Um, a lot of times uh, in life, I think that we, we, think, um, we think kind of like a, the oxygen mass that uh, come down from airplanes. How many of you guys have ever been on a plane? All right, I'll, I'll explain myself I've been on a plane. All right. Uh, my parents were divorced as a kid. Uh, my dad lived in Houston, and I lived here. and so like three, four times a year, um, we would have to go to hartsville jackson Airport and I'd take a plane over there and then fly back. I uh, did a count with my sister once. and by the time I was 21, I had been on a plane over 100 times, so I'm well uh, acquainted with airports.) Um, And every time I get on a flight, you know, you have those, uh, you have the flight attendants that come up and they do their little thing. You know, please look and find the nearest exit, Um, and then they talk about the gas mask that come down, the oxygen mask. And the thing that they tell you is, under no circumstances are you supposed to help the person next to you first, right? You've all heard them say that first, you put on your mask because then you'll be ready and you'll be able to help the person next to you. And in general, I think. That's the, the idea that we bring into every aspect of our lives, right? First, I take care of myself. First, I need to worry about me. First, I need to make sure that I'm okay. And then, after I've taken what I need for me and for my family and for my people over here and set that aside, out of my excess, then I'll give to others, right? But when we look at the steward, we realize that he, in order to gain favor with them, in order to gain these relationships to save his own skin, he, had, he couldn't take from his, his own uh, storage, right? He couldn't take from his own bank. He has nothing. Everything belongs to the master, right? If you guys go to Matthew chapter six, don't worry necessarily about turning there. We'll only be there really quick, but if you want to write it down. Uh, verse 19 it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have to understand that in God's economy, nothing belongs to us, right? Nothing belongs to us. Everything comes from God. And so as is calling us to go out to the lost and go out to, these, uh, to the debtors, Right? we have to realize that what we are doing is not giving from ourselves, that we are taking from God. The grace, the mercy, the time, the commitment, the love, the forgiveness, I mean, insert word here, right? All of it does not come from within ourselves, it is coming from God, and we are taking that that which does not belong to us, that which we did not deserve, we didn't earn to begin with, and from there we are going out to the debtors, we are going out to to the world, to those people that do not know him, to exalt his name and say, here, this isn't mine, but I am forgiving you of your debts on his behalf. These things were given to me freely, and so I continue that on and give freely to you. Uh, I mean, even when we think about, uh, take tithing, for instance, right? What does tithing tell us? What do we know about tithing? Okay, take everything that you own, and before you do anything at all, take a portion out and give that back to God to remind you that it didn't belong to you in the first place, okay? That God's economy begins to flip everything upside down with that, all right? Um, And and with that, now we see a little bit more about what he's talking about when he says that take for ourselves, um, make friends for ourselves out of unrighteous wealth, what he's saying for us then, the, the last thing that he's telling us is that we should have the same shrewdness as the steward. Remember, he's commending him on his shrewdness. That word uh, literally means like cunning or, or quick-wittedness, right? Um, that he's looking at the steward and he's saying that, you know, you, you stole from me. You straight up took something that wasn't yours, but I have to give you props in the fact that you thought quick and that you were able to save yourself, that you built your own kingdom okay, that now you have a place to go. And then he says that the people of this world are more shrewd in their own generation than us as the children of light. Basically what he's telling us is he's not commending him for his actions, he's not saying that the manager did something good, but he's saying that that attitude is the same one that we should have as Christians, okay? And look at the world around us. Everything about us is telling us to build our own kingdoms. Everything about us is telling you, you know, like, get money, get paid, right? We, we, all, we all know it. Um, you work hard, you work passionately, you work voraciously, do everything you can by any means possible to build for yourself, okay? Have the house, have the car. Why are we in college in the first place? Those of you that are students, you are working yourselves crazy in hopes of building something for yourself, and if we are willing to have that amount of shrewdness towards our own lives and towards like, the ways of this world, then why are we not having even more passion? Okay? Why do we not have that same amount of shrewdness, that same amount of audacity towards building the kingdom of God? That by any means necessary, okay, I will be rich in mercy. By any means necessary, I will be rich in spirit. I will be rich in righteousness. I will absolutely with everything that I have build the kingdom of God because I know that I am a co-heir in Christ with that. And so he has called us then that our job is to go out to the debtors, all right, to have that same passion for them. And, and I think that we have to remember to put this in every aspect of our life. Um, I think it's really easy to look at this verse and we jump ahead to the end, you cannot serve both God and money, and we realize, okay, cool, I got that box checked off, I'll remember that if I ever get any, right? Um, as college students, we realize that any amount of money you've ever put in that tithe can there belonged to your parents. you know, Or like you took it from student loans or something like that just to make yourself feel good. And that, that's okay. We know that you guys don't have time, but what do you have then? As college students, I mean, I would say, to think to yourselves, your greatest commodity is time. Um, and I know that even in, in the church itself, like as a body, one problem that I know that, that we have a lot, um, is, is we have this idea, again, of taking things out for ourselves. Well, I have to be healthy, right? I have to be fed. I have to, to work on my own spiritual life for, beforehand. And there is an aspect of that. You know, we looked at, again, if you're in a DNA, we have the semicircle, right? You have work and you have rest, okay? We abide um, and, and we are fruitful as well. But a lot of times we, we get caught up in that um, and we have to realize then that your time, again, is not your own. Everything we have in God's economy belongs to him. And if you're taking from yourself, if you're looking at your own strength and your own time, then you're probably gonna run out very quickly, right? But if you are taking from God, then we have a never ending supply that constantly comes to us. We take what is not ours to give to those who do not deserve, right? And so my challenge you guys today is for us to examine ourselves. All right, in the same way that the master has come to the steward and is said to give an account for the job that you've been done. For us to look at ourselves and to give a personal account, and I don't want this to be something that is guilt-based, okay? I don't want you to go home and realize, like, I need to read my Bible more, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Um, what I'm realizing, uh, what, I'm, what I'm asking you guys is to look and to ask yourself, have you been taking from yourself? Have you been trusting in your own strength, in your own time, in your own ability to lead, all right? Have you been trying to set aside a portion for yourself and then give from your excess? Or are we being shrewd for the kingdom, okay? Are we actively pursuing the lost? And when we do so, are we doing it with the same veracity that the the steward is? Going out and forgiving the debtors. Going out and speaking on God's behalf, constantly pulling from the never-ending supply that flows from Him, and then as we do that, Guy, um, I mean, you know, you look behind us and you see there's twenty-six thousand tally marks, and it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, and maybe you don't take, you know, all twenty-six thousand, but just to ask yourselves to go to God and to say, God, can you show me one? Just look, just look for one, um, and begin to pour into that person, that as God shows you who that person is, and you work with, you go to school with them, maybe they're a roommate, maybe they're just a dude that you know, right? Um, begin to ask, what next, Lord? How can I begin to pour into this person? How can I align myself with your heart to go after the lost um, in this way? Um, that's the challenge that I would have for you guys today. And so um, the band is gonna come up in, in just a second and, and we're gonna move uh, into communion. Um, I'm gonna pray for us and, and then we're gonna move there. So um, with communion, guys, to, to talk about that as well, it's another example, another way that um, we can we can have this same idea of taking what is not ours to give to what we do not deserve. That uh, communion, we take the body, we take this bread that represents God's body, represents his provision for us, right? And we dip it in this juice that represents his blood, that represents the new covenant that he has given to us. And we're literally taking those things and we are making them a part of us. We are accepting his provision over us. We are accepting this new covenant that he has given us, accepting this forgiveness of sins. Um, And so as we do communion, I pray that uh, we would all, as a body, we would take that seriously. We would use this time to pray. We would use this time to reflect. If you are not a believer, uh, we are so glad that you are here. Uh, We are so glad that you decided to join with us today. Um, And in the way that we as believers will take this seriously, we ask that you would also take it just as seriously. And so if those symbols do not apply to you yet, if you have not accepted his provision, if you have not accepted his forgiveness of sins, we ask that instead that you would use this time to pray, uh, to reflect, um, to begin to ask God, and and to work through those things yourself. Um, There will be elders by the tables um, to ask questions, to pray with you, to talk with you if you need that. Um, And uh, just let this be a time of response for us. So you guys will bow your heads and we'll pray. Dear God, um, thank you so much for what you've done.